Well, good morning. Well, I guess my favorite mantra um, hung on my bedroom wall all of my teenage years. It was a poster and it said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah, I really like that one because it was really important to me as a teenager that every day was a do-over. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's really amazing how many different kinds of things we believe, right? There's all sorts of things. Some of them are just superficial and kind of fun. You know, they exist only as truisms or slogans or whatever. But some of our beliefs are deeply held convictions that actually impact the way we live our lives. And often we like to think that those kinds of beliefs are very personal and private. But the reality is most of our most important beliefs are corporate. That is, we share them with other people who have the same beliefs and values. There just seems to be something in our human nature that longs to connect with other people who share those beliefs and who are also ordering their lives around their convictions. It's why we join clubs and organizations and churches that share our beliefs and support our values. Um, one of my first experiences with this sort of corporate community of shared beliefs happened when I entered Crockett Junior High School in Paris, Texas, 50 years ago this fall. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, all of the incoming seventh graders were required to learn the school song so that we could sing it together every Friday before the football game. Now, how many of you remember your junior high or middle school song? A few of you do. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, strangely enough, I remember mine. I remember every single word of it as if I had sung it only yesterday. You want to hear it? Yeah. Oh, good, because I was going to sing it for you anyway. <laughs> Goes like this. To the name and the fame of dear Crockett, to the best junior high in the land. That was our corporate belief. Crockett was the best in the land. We pledge loyalty now and forever. To her honor, we always will stand. See, when you deeply believe something, you stand for it. You pledge allegiance to it, right? And as a group of 12 to 14-year-olds back in 1968, we were standing for the honor and the reputation of Crockett Junior High School. There's a second verse. I know all the words to that, but I'm going to spare you because you're probably thinking right now she is really strange. <laughs> How in the world could she possibly remember that song all these years later? Well, I don't know. I think it has more to do with the catchy tune. I think it's because there was something very visceral and very powerful to me as an adolescent standing in that gymnasium every Friday before the football game with all of my friends and all of my teachers and coaches and we were all decked out in our orange and white because that was the school colors and we were singing with gusto what we believed about our school and as we did it we sort of affirmed this communal identity. You see something tangible happens when we become part of a community whether we're born into a particular family, or we start attending a new school, or we join a club or a corporation or a profession, or maybe we move to a new city or even to a new country. 
we start to learn the language of that community, don't we? And not just through its unique vocabulary and idioms and dialect, but through its songs, through its um, jokes, inside jokes and clothing and, and pledges and mottos and um, traditions, right? And we learn to embrace the symbols of that community, its, its flags, its mascots, and colors, and crests. And all of those things serve to hold us together and remind us of who we are and what we stand for. They give us a sense of unity and identity and purpose. And the other thing they do is they bond us together, not just with each other, but with all of those who have gone before us and with all of those who will come after us. And the more these symbols and traditions are rehearsed and passed down, the stronger the bond. Just ask any Aggie. Can I get a whoop? Okay. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> well, the same is true of the church historically. We share hymns and prayers that have been passed down through the centuries. We share symbols like crosses and fishes. We share sacraments like baptism and communion. And ultimately, we share a common faith and a common book. And because we share a common faith and a common book, we share common creeds. Biblical creeds are just short statements of faith that are solidly rooted in God's word. So why are we talking about symbols and songs and creeds? Well, because this Bible study is structured around two of the most ancient creeds that have been handed down and affirmed by every major branch of Christianity since its earliest days, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And these creeds capture the story of our faith, and they condense the high points of it into concise and crisp statements. And I know that some of you are scratching your heads right now because you've never heard of these creeds. And I'm so excited to introduce them to you because they are part of your Christian heritage. Whether you grew up Protestant or Catholic or whether you have no church background at all, if you call yourself a Christian, you are part of something ancient and these creeds belong to you. Pastor and author James Howell, in his book about the Apostles' Creed, writes this. He says, every time we say the Apostles' Creed, we step into a long, steady river. The great 2,000-year story of believers, missionaries, and martyrs. When I say I believe in God, I become part of something bigger than myself. I attach myself to something old. I know also that some of you are very familiar with at least one of these creeds because you recited it every Sunday morning when you were growing up, didn't you? That was my experience. And I still remember as a little girl what a solemn thing it was to stand together with all the grown-ups and with all the other children in the room who were old enough to have memorized it and to declare together with one voice what we believed about a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what we believed about the church and about forgiveness and about our bodies and about life and death and the life to come. They were lofty beliefs that I couldn't fully understand as, as a child, but I intuitively knew that they were important and they were true. 
much more important and true than what I believed about Crockett Junior High School. Well, let me give you a little bit of history behind the creeds and then talk just a minute about why we're studying them or, or why we're basing our Bible study around them. So the Apostles' Creed in its earliest form was recorded around AD 215. Um, it was an attempt to uh, encapsulate the um, core essential beliefs of Christianity as it was passed down from the apostles, right? This is second century. Um, and it was first composed in the form of questions and answers in order to educate new converts to the faith um, in the months leading up to their baptism on Easter Sunday morning. And so when these new believers would wade out into the lake or the river, wherever they're being baptized, they would first be asked the question, do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Because that's the first line of the Apostles' Creed. And they would answer in the affirmative. And then they would be asked, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? And so on down each line of the creed. And at the end, when they had answered in the affirmative, then they would be baptized. And then they would be welcomed into the local church community. Our present form of the Apostles' Creed, which has been modified only slightly in all of these years, was recorded as statements rather than questions around A.D. 340. The Nicene Creed was the result of the Emperor Constantine, who gathered together bishops from all around his empire in the early part of the fourth century. They gathered in a, an ancient town called Nicaea, which is where we get the Nicene Creed from. It was a town in uh, modern-day Turkey. And the purpose of this convention was to discuss and settle uh, what was a huge controversy back in the day, and it had to do with the nature of Jesus. They were asking questions like, who is Jesus? Who was he? Was he God? Was he man? Was he both? Was he sometimes one and sometimes the other? Was he really just God and he only appeared as a man? Or was he, was he born a man and then he became God? All of these things. And so the Nicene Council, they tackled this controversy and they came up with a way to describe the essence, the nature of Jesus and his relationship to God the Father. And you're going to learn about that. In fact, both of the creeds, both the apostles and Nicene creeds, give the most ink to what we believe about Jesus. There's only one line um, that describes God the Father and even a shorter line that talks about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus gets a lot of lines, and rightly so, because Christianity is centered around the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so it's really important that we are clear about him, who he is. Um, Luke, Timothy, Luke Timothy Johnson, in his book about the Nicene Creed, writes this. The Creed says, in effect... These are the parts of the story that you must include and on no account omit if you are to render the story of Jesus correctly. Johnson went on to explain that it's only been in the last 75 years or so that the evangelical church has let the creeds go by the wayside, meaning that we just quit reciting them every week like we used to. We also did the same thing with the Lord's Prayer, by the way. Um, that we used to recite every Sunday. And it's not that the creeds or the Lord's Prayer are legalistic in themselves. This is why we let them go. Um, but it's because, as you know, whenever you repeat something over and over again, it can become mechanical, it can become rote. 
um, instead of something that you mindfully and wholeheartedly confess as true in your heart and seek to live out in your life. So, why are we studying the creeds now? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, because what we believe matters. It it really matters to you, it matters to God, and it matters to others. Because what we believe affects the way that we live, how we think, how we treat other people. Our beliefs greatly influence our major life decisions, like who we marry, often where we live, the kind of work we do, how we play, how we parent. Um, They also influence how we view and manage our time and our money and our energy and how we respond to the circumstances in our lives, especially how we handle adversity. In other words, our beliefs have the power to transform every area of our lives. More specifically, the gospel has that power because the gospel has never been just about believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven when you die. The gospel has always been about a whole new life where every aspect of it is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. And so studying the creeds is going to serve as a springboard to dive into those core essential beliefs, mining the depths of them so that um, we can drive them deep into our souls for the result that we would actually know and live what we believe. And it is never more crucial to be solidly rooted in the reality of God than when life gets really hard. I'll never forget in 2009 when my husband Andy was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, I can remember lying in my bed at night and thinking to myself, now what do I believe again? Is it true? How do I know? And how do I handle this situation in light of what I believe? And I also had to remind myself, though, that it wasn't just what do I believe, but what do we believe? What does the church believe? You see, when my faith was beginning to falter a little bit, I remember that I didn't make any of this stuff up. That my faith was firmly rooted, yes, in the scriptures, and yes, in my own faith experience uh, with a relationship with Jesus. But it was also rooted in the faith and experience of all those that were walking along beside me. And all of those who had walked before me, even all the way back to the apostles who had walked with Jesus. In other words, I reminded myself, I am not alone. I belong to a community of faith. Together, we believe. And that brings me to the second reason why we study the creeds. The first is that what we believe matters to us personally and corporately, but the second reason is because it matters to the world. Our world needs bold Christians who have the courage and confidence of their faith because in these days more than ever, people need the gospel told and lived by people who truly believe what they say they believe. And I say now more than ever for a couple of reasons. The first is the fact, I'm sure you've noticed, that we are living in an increasingly secular and skeptical culture, which believes that all faiths are equally false and even dangerous. That is a faith belief, by the way, though they'll never admit it. 
But as a result of that philosophy, our Christian faith that was once revered and respected and even more commonly shared in this country is now being publicly maligned and rejected. We as followers of Jesus are being categorically criticized and labeled with terrible names if we don't agree with and buy into secular ideas and beliefs and values and agendas. Ironically and schizophrenically, the second cultural shift we've seen in the last decade or so is with the idea of pluralism, which is the theory that all faiths are equally true and valid. Um, and so if as a Christian, though, if you hold to any truth claims at all, like Jesus is God and the only way to the Father, then you are labeled as intolerant and exclusive or just plain ignorant. So as a result of pluralism on one hand and secularism on the other hand, there is an unwritten creed that has emerged in our culture that is embraced especially, I believe, by the younger generation, many of whom grew up in the church but who are replacing their faith with agnosticism, with pluralism, with humanitarianism, or any combination of the above. And their creed goes something like this. Believe what you want, do what you want, and help others to believe and do what they want. And although they cry out for justice and answers to the problem of evil and suffering, their creed offers no hope at all for today or tomorrow or for eternity because only the gospel can change the human heart. Only Jesus can remove my sin, the injustice in my heart and in yours and in the world. But as the Apostle Paul told us, the gospel has always and will always be offensive and even ridiculous to those who refuse to believe. But on the other hand, it is life and power to those who will. It's interesting that pastor and author um, James Emery White points out that Paul encountered the same kind of culture when he went to Athens um, on one of his missionary journeys back in Acts 17. He describes it this way. Um, here in Athens was a spiritual marketplace where truth was relative, worldviews and gods littered the landscape, and the average person wouldn't know the difference between Isaac and an iPad. Paul surveyed the cultural landscape and found a touchstone, an altar to an unknown God. The culture was so pluralistic that the only thing they could agree on was that they couldn't know anything for sure. What if I could tell you God's name? Would that be of interest? Paul began. He then went all the way back to creation and worked his way forward, laying a foundation for understanding and acceptance of the gospel. I think the creeds of the church help us to do the same thing. They take us all the way back to the deepest roots of our faith and reconnect us to the great story behind them so that we can have the boldness and the courage to live into that story with a, a robust and a joyful faith, a faith that lives and breathes the grace and truth of Jesus and, and a faith, that, a confidence that the gospel still has the power to transform people and impact cultures. I believe we're living in the perfect storm of opportunity and challenge to connect the people in our culture, even and especially those who malign us with the message of Jesus. But we have got to know what we believe and why it matters, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. So each week in this study, we're going to progress through the creeds line by line.
And as we go along, we're gonna memorize the Apostles' Creed because it's the shorter one. It's the one that's most easily memorized. And each week, I want us to stand together and recite it together because I've said before, there is something just powerful about standing shoulder to shoulder with others and declaring with one voice these great truths that we believe. And so I thought we would begin by doing that today. Um, And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and together we'll recite the Apostles' Creed. They'll be on the screens. But first of all, I just want to say, I know that there are going to be some statements or phrases that you're not going to quite understand yet, maybe. Or maybe you're not even sure you agree with. Uh, For example, one of the lines of the Creed says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And some of you are already thinking, well, I'm not Catholic. How could I affirm that? And others of you are thinking, well, I am Catholic or I was Catholic, but aren't we in a Protestant Bible church? (laughs) What's up with that? Well, you will notice that the word Catholic is spelled with a lowercase c. And um, that's because the common noun Catholic just means worldwide or everywhere. You see, these creeds were written way before the Protestant Reformation. There was no such thing as Protestant or Catholic when these creeds were written. There was just the church. And the church was expanding all over the globe because the gospel was being taken all over the world by those early Christians. And so the creeds sought to unify those Christians everywhere regarding the, essential, um, the, the core essentials of their faith. And so these creeds don't try to answer every doctrinal issue, every question that we have. It doesn't go into much detail at all. And so um, as a result, there is plenty of room for doctrinal differences in the non-essentials. That's why we have so many denominations, even though we still share a common faith in Jesus Christ. So when you get to that line about the church... um, I hope you can at least affirm some kind, uh, some level of belief in the church, um, but maybe you can't. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past. Maybe you're not even sure what the church really is, um, or if there's any other part of the creed you're just not sure about, please don't feel like you have to say it with us, okay? Um, but I would encourage you to memorize it, if only to be sort of literate in your faith heritage, if you will. Um, Keep in mind that believers everywhere from the earliest days of Christianity have stood together with other believers and have affirmed each of these statements of faith. So with all of that, would you stand with me, please? And together, let's recite the Apostles' Creed. Okay, ready? Let's see what I... Okay, here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God Almighty and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. I am very excited to be um, 
starting this study with all of you, the reason we stumbled a little bit over a couple of the words is that some of you grew up having memorized it and the words are just slightly different. So that's okay. We're all going to be learning together. (laughs) I love you all. Enjoy the rest of your time together.